heroic feats, danger in combat, mystery in problem solving. This is the League of Ultimate Questing, where we watch adventurers compete to complete quests, amass wealth and fame, and rise through the ranks from novice all the way up to legendary tier. My name is Kip Killigan, voice of the LUQ and servant of the Nexus Enterprise. With me in the booth is the Hale and Halcyon, Stormclad Thundertongue. You know, Kip, it seems like the Invitational lit some serious fires under the team's collective asses. Everyone's trying to prove themselves, either to make up for not getting to compete in the main event, or to keep the momentum of their success. It's like a carrot and a stick, but the carrot's fame and a sack of drags, and the stick's the looming hand of death itself. An apt analogy indeed, and poetry to my ears. And speaking of poetry, the hero rank team Nine Point Star has found themselves in a life-or-death freeform flowetry jam, where the... Um, we're live here. The light is on. Please don't knock on our booth. A package here for Mr. Raphael Pig's Nest? I said we're recording here. Pig Nest? Oh shit, that's my package. Again, it's here. That's for me. Here, <laughs> keep the change. <laughs> Hot damn, I ordered this bad boy so long ago I forgot it was even coming. I feel like I'm going crazy. Storm, we're live. I know, I know. Sorry, kid, but I would have had it delivered to my place, but I'm never there. I'm always here. Yep. Definitely going crazy. Oh, ho, 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 there she is. El Carnage, the blade of my dreams. Oh, neat. It's a knife. Kip, you don't understand. If a god was going to get knifed in the alley of a dive bar, this is the dagger that'd do it. 100-fold Remitexian adamantine, polished gold wood handle wrapped in unicorn hide, enchanted by blind oracles at the Cathedral of Time. It's got that new knife smell. Oh, this piece sent me back a sack or two, but it was love at first sight. You don't dick around with true love, Kip. <sighs> All right, Storm. I'll admit, it's a very nice knife. Can... can I hold it? Kip, you can cut your eye out just looking at this thing. No offense, but if this hot mama isn't in the hands of a trained knife enthusiast, it's in the wrong place. Fine. If you don't mind, Storm, I think it's time we check in on the Mortal Dawn, who we left with a dungeon ultimatum, stuck between a big bad bowl and a mechanical pit of mysteries. Will they find the relic they seek before the rival team beats them to the punchline, or will they meet their fate in these deadly clockwork halls? Let's check in to find out now! Mortal Dawn is standing in a subterranean room in an ancient steel dungeon, face to face with a gorgon, large bronze menacing bowl breathing out poisonous gas from its nostrils. In front of you, there is a hole making mechanical sounds with steam and clanking of gears down below you. Your options are to face the beast or to dive into the unknown. Fight or flight. The death machine can fight the death machine. We need to get out of here. And I'm going to run and jump towards the hole. Fantastic. Let's start a skill challenge with an initiative check. Nice. All right, I will ask in the order if I can reach these cards. Artyom, what do you got? A one. Ooh, I thought you were pointing up as it's a very high number. Not, uh, <laughs> I saw his face. It wasn't a high number. Four. Chris. Uh, total of 14. All right. Arvid. Total of four. And I believe Artyom has a higher dexterity than you. Mm-hmm. So you beat Arvid even with a one. Yeah. And Harvax? Uh Total of 19. Damn, quick lizard. And to cover for the audience how we do skill challenges here in the League of Ultimate Questing, or my games in particular, is it works in initiative order. They're going to use one of their skills or one of their class abilities reflected through one of their skills. And it's either a pass-fail mechanic. They let me know what they want to do and they roll for it. If they succeed, then it's a success for the group. They want to get to X amount of successes before X amount of failures. And they cannot use the same skill twice in a row. And they cannot duplicate the skill that was used right before their turn. And if they roll a 20 on the die for their skill check in the challenge, that is two successes for the group. If they happen to roll a one, that's two failures for the group. We will start the skill challenge with Harothex. Okay. Uh, as you all four and Morty following behind leap down this hole, you are in fact falling. There are mechanical gears sliding in and out of the wall. Huge cogs are turning and your goal is to fall safely, perhaps grab the wall and descend quickly and not get caught up in these grinding mechanical gears or get blasted by steam. It's the Hall of Chaos all over again. But down. <laughs> it's the Shaft of Chaos. <laughs> As we fall, Haruthax is going to sort of grab onto Arvid and go, you've got to get us out of this. And cast Guidance. Okay, uh, go ahead and give me your Arcana check, and this will be a success for the group if you pass, as you're boosting Arvid. Okay. As that is how the skill challenge work. 
five. Okay. Uh, it is very difficult to maintain and manifest the spell while falling, and you slam into this piston that shoots out of the wall and start to spin in the air, missing your grip on Arvid. The group now starting to slowly separate. Next, in the falling order, is Christ. Uh, I would like to investigate for the best opportunity to throw like a giant ice shard next turn to stop a cog. Oh, so I like I can that. land yeah. on it. That's cool. Yeah, there's a yeah. lot of stuff going on, so your ability to investigate. So here goes nothing. Oh yeah, definitely using a bit of luck on that one because that was a one. Oh wow, Yikes. yeah, yeah, that one's was bad, real bad. Woo, and that became a nineteen on the die, plus five, so twenty-four. That is absolutely a success. You become aware of all of these different machinations coming and going in and out of the wall, looking at the path coming up, and also kind of getting in tune with the way the echoes and vibration is bouncing off of the walls, feeling the gears coming, and you're ready this crackling cold ice magic in your hand to, you know, gum up something that's coming up. And that brings us to Artyom. Excellent. So now that I'm kind of hurling down this freaking ridiculous shaft, uh, I'm going to go ahead and touch my holy symbol, which is a moth drawn to the flame, and it's going to just start reverberating and glowing and pulsating until a beam of light shines down the shaft. Awesome. All right. So let's see either a spellcasting check. Works for me. Ten. All right. So with this beam of light coming from seemingly nowhere, as there is a enclosed ceiling and floor, you do, in fact, illuminate a great deal of the oncoming shaft. Uh, but seeing all of these horrible machines coming and grinding makes it even more intimidating than you would have thought, causing everyone to panic just slightly. And that is one more failure for the group. That brings us to Arvid. Okay. So Arvid is going to attempt to grab onto Morty and say to him, Morty! We need to try to keep everyone together and use an animal handling check. The idea is to be holding on to Morty and to try to reach out to others and have Morty also do the same. Oh, I see. Um, animal handling. Cool. Yes, with his toofies. <laughs> that would be a total of 21. Ooh, Very nice. That is definitely a success for the group. You reach out and grab Morty and you can feel this just like a little bit of strange energy kind of emanating from these tattoos and this armor. Morty has some kind of sleeping power that's just sort of pulsing out of him. One of the gears comes out and slams into the two of you, but pushing you into the wall and Morty just takes it. And the two of you then get close enough to grab onto Chris and you feel a set of, they are sharp teeth, but they gum onto you in a very soft way around your tail, Harifax. <laughs> Is a gentle Morty clamp, as now the four of you at least are starting to form a, a falling human group. That thing that people skydiving do where they all grab hands. And... <laughs> right. <laughs> Give him the Morty clamp. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Daxton? Classic move. <laughs> all right. So that being another success for a group, we are tied up. That brings us back to Haruthax. Okay. We're still falling down a mine shaft, kind of bumping into things. Haruthax is just going to start like flinging acid at as many of the machines around them as they can, trying to sort of disrupt the grinding and upset the mechanisms. Absolutely. How would you like, do you want to do a nature or perception? Can I just spit acid? Mm -hmm. I'm a black dragonborn. I don't do it very often. Can I just spew acid all over these walls? I'd say constitution. Yeah. For so that. Yeah. You can do a proficiency constitution check, or you can do a, like a nature check with constitution. I do a proficient constitution check. Yeah. I like it. It's plus five. You're literally just puking as hard as you can. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Uh, 16 on the die plus five, 21. Ooh, that is definitely a success. So with the help of Chris's ice magic shooting down and slowing down these gears, this tidal wave, we rarely see the acid breath from Harithax. And this is just this deluge of stinging, burning chemicals that are melting and corroding away at these pistons and grinding gears. Sorry, Maisie. <laughs> <laughs> excellent uh that is a big success so that brings us to chris to help us get into a, like a good position to either grab onto something mm -hmm. or like if the ground's gonna be very near to get us in a good position where we're not hit mm -hmm. i'm going to ready a sudden awakening okay could you remind me how that spell works just so we... okay yeah so this, i see what you're going for because i don't a, remember this is a loose interpretation of sudden awakening but sudden awakening is like any number of creatures as a bonus action basically get up from prone or whatever weird state without expending an action. Oh, okay, cool. So, yes, that's what I would like to do. That sounds great. Um, do you want to do, uh, what kind of skill would you like to use? 
You can absolutely channel your magic through your charisma because that's what you do. Um, if you want to inspire them, like with your performance or whatever. Yeah, I'm thinking of performance because sure. what is more impractical than a performance while you're falling? <laughs> What's Wh- more, Chris? Yeah. When aren't you thinking of performance? Oh, that is definitely my last bit of luck. That was another one. Okay. Wow. Double ones. Mm. Oh, and then an 18 on the die. That feels really good. I think that comes out to 25. That is 25. That is a very high number indeed. Um, and as this song echoes out from Chris, you all feel your reflexes kick in and you find that you have just the ability to reach out and grab or roll and move into a safer position instantly. Uh, a kind of second wind you didn't know you had in you. And that brings us to Artyom. Realizing that everybody's trying to kind of grab a hold of each other and slow their momentum, I'm going to go ahead and pull my uh, Wand of Thorns out, and I'm going to mm. use that to cast a Thorn Whip on whatever I can get my hands on and grab a hold of everyone and see if we can get ourselves into a stable line. Awesome. I love that very much. Attack, I guess? Yeah, or like Perception to get a spot, whatever. Yeah, Perception, that works. Better. 19. 19 is enough. All right. So the group manages to kind of form this falling ball as they were Morty helping by grabbing Harathax by the tail. And the ground is coming up incredibly fast um, with the light from Artyom's radiant prayer filling the shaft and the gears slamming together now being melted and frozen away. You see the floor coming up quite quickly. And with Christ's boost of inspiration, you all grab onto each other, including Artyom. And there's a sound of a snap as a whip grabs onto one of the sticking out pistons and the group is hanging in the air inches above the ground as there's a loud crack the thorn whip releases and snaps from the weight but you all plump down onto a hollow echoing stone floor safely that was terrifying i quickly cover my nose out of this it smells like the cave of a burrower god like vomited corpses well, I did just eat a whole bunch of grubs. <laughs> oh, yeah, nah, there's one. Oh, yeah, every you, your lunch is melting in your own acid. Morty sniffs it for a second and then tail between the legs hides behind Arvid. <laughs> um, and it seems like you're at the bottom of a round mechanical shaft, indeed, uh, where all these gears are going upward. And the only thing you can see is a stairway that spirals down. And it's well lit thanks to the magic of RTM's prayer. And as there is only one direction to go, the Mortal Dawn continues down this steel staircase. As you go down about three rotations, you enter once again a cavity of stone, no longer in a building of metal, and now entering a very old structure made of natural stone. It seems like the place where you were was definitely very old, but this is even older, and it was built on top of it. It looks like you're walking into a large stone dark gallery of some kind, perhaps a a museum with raised stairs and platforms looking down into an open floor. But the open floor is covered with several inches of very cold water. There are destroyed pillars that have been knocked over, and there are a couple of pedestals that look like they have objects sitting on top of them that are still intact. The pedestal in the center has something very bright and mechanical, whirring and glowing, hovering above it. It looks like a series of metal rings with a ball of light inside of them that seem to fold in on themselves like a double helix shifting in air. And it's emitting an incredibly distracting amount of power. Even the kind of looking at it, you feel like you need to divert your eyes slightly. I think we found our heart. Can I, Arvid, make some kind of check to see that there's nobody else in here? No kind of ambush? Uh, Please roll me a perception check. Yes, I would love that. That's not great. It's a... Nine. Yeah, please. The room is very quiet, save for this kind of intense, high-pitched hum that comes out of this glowing sphere. Uh, You can tell that there's a small layer of dust over all of the pedestals and the objects thereon. So it's probably been some time since any living thing was in here. But you look under the maybe foot of water that's collected in the center, and you can see that there is a lot of metal shrapnel that has collected, possibly falling down through this shaft, getting cut up. Just chunks of what once was maybe a great machine or some sort of foreign alien armor. Well, it looks like we were the first to get here. (laughs) Unless there was somebody already here. I immediately go towards the nearest, most plushiest looking rock. Mm-hmm. And then just sit up against it and then close my eyes. I'm taking a nap. I have a broken arm. Uh, Chris, there's like a light in his eyes that kind of goes dim. Mm-hmm. And he compulsively walks towards this thing with his arm out. Just like like a zombie slowly 
looking at a brain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and your dark passenger, as it were, is definitely just salivating at this strange magical power that's coming off of this. And you've only been in this room for a very brief moment, but it seems like the energy is getting stronger. It seems like as you walk towards it, you're actually pressing against a kind of gravity or a, a force of wind that's almost pushing you away. Your robes are now like billowing and flowing behind you from the force of it. And the closer you get, it does seem to grow in strength. Are there ripples forming in the water as he does this too, other than the ones caused by him just walking across this? Yeah. As the energy pulses out, not only does the water start to shift and ripple, but little tiny stones on nearby pillars begin to kind of lift and rise off of the ground. And the water itself seems to have a sort of vibration on the surface of it. At this point, Chris unconsciously reverberates and uses his claw to kind of like start piercing that energy and maybe even absorbing it. Sure. Accidentally casting absorb elements so that it's less hard to walk through. Well, that is indeed the intent as you approach it, but you're still a little ways away as it's taking every essence of your magical control and physical capabilities to take steps towards it. Artem's asleep. Um, Arvid is definitely preoccupied with Dog um, after having checked to see the room is safe. Harithex is also here. <laughs> Hello, I'm also here. <laughs> feel like a real accepted member of the party there, Arvid. <laughs> Harthax is also here. <laughs> um, so, Chris, since you're the furthest out, you're just now, like, barely wading in this pool of water. I'm going to have you roll me a dexterity saving throw. Okay. Well, that can't be good. That was a three on the die. So I think that ends up just being five. That sounds about right. Uh, so you take five points of bludgeoning damage as one of these large nondescript ripped pieces of metal that is collected in the bottom of the water comes tearing out from underneath and towards this glowing shape followed by dozens and dozens of other ones as like the energy that's pushing you away reverses pulling in everything metallic in the area starting to clamp and slam into it Um, the magic items and weapons that are affixed to you are pulling but not being ripped off of your body And as more and more of these chunks of metal from all over the room, mostly under the water, begin to slam together surrounding this glowing heart, uh, it starts to form a shape. It's a shape that you've only seen on coins and in paintings, things in books. A creature that you were told was long ago extinct. What you see before you is a piecemeal clockwork steaming dragon that rises up as its metal horns brush against the ceiling, and from its chest is the glowing energy of this strange artifact heart. And I need the mortal dawn to roll initiative. So what do we have for initiative from the team? Ten. Cool. Artyom has a 14. How about Harwithax? I rolled a natural one for a total of two. Fantastic. Christ. Mm. Eighteen. Eighteen. And right before Harithax is the thing. It rolled very bad. We will refer to it as the clockwork dragon. That seems sensible. Beginning the initiative, we have Christ, who is the closest to this construct, as it looks down at you with glowing white eyes. As Christ locks eyes, the color of his eyes goes back to a vibrant hue, and he's like, oh my god! And on that oh my god, shard hide is activated. Okay. That is a very good defensive option for you. Would you like to do anything else on your turn? So after that locking eyes and activating shard hide, he just stares at him kind of frozen in place. Sure. Absolutely. Uh, That brings us to Artyom. Artyom, arms crossed, just sighs because he already knows something stupid is happening. He's leaned up against a rock, his back facing the pool. He leans over, sees that there's a dragon, (laughs) and his first words are just... I go to sleep for 10 minutes and there's already a dragon. <laughs> and I cast Wall of Fire right in front of Chris. Okay. Could you tell me the dimensions of Wall of Fire? So Wall of Fire can be up to 60 feet long, mm-hmm. 20 feet high, and one foot thick. Okay. The Wall of Fire is going to come down right between Chris and the Clockwork Dragon. Mm-hmm. And the damaging side is obviously in the direction of the Clockwork Dragon. Very good. And these markers will signify where the fire is. Anything between there can be visualized as a wall of crackling flame. And so it takes 5d8 damage. I get a deck save, I believe. Ooh. Yes. This is a fucking cool visual, by the way. This giant clockwork dragon just attacking through a wall of fire. Mm-hmm. And even if it continues, it's still going to take some some heat. All right. Uh, so it's going to pass its, its check using one legendary action. 
So go ahead and give me your damage. Oh, but it uses legendary action up. Or, I'm sorry, legendary resistance, I misspoke. But, oh, okay. yeah. It's one of its cool things. But using him up is a very good thing. Uh, 11 plus mm -hmm. 9 plus 3. So 23. Uh, and I believe I do not add anything. No, not to wildfire. But it does ongoing. Like anything that continues to be near it can have things happen. Very good. You see the plates on the front of the dragon start glowing red hot from this wall of fire and steam pouring out of its wounds. And while it is metallic in nature, the magic that binds it together also seems to be used to handling large amounts of heat, as that is what is possibly powering it. Fair enough. That will bring us to Arvid. I believe I have a move. Oh, absolutely. Please move. So literally, I turn over, shit, cast my fire uh, wall of fire, and then mm -hmm. rapidly crawl behind a large chunk of rock that's uh, standing between me and Chris and the dragon. Totally. And you are holding your head up high as you are in some actually like half foot deep water. Mm. Um, so you're soaked and you're keeping your head above the water line to breathe. Okay. But otherwise, you seem fairly visually obscured. You probably at least have partial cover. Mm -hmm. And uh, there is also a wall of fire between you and it. Mm-hmm. And to clarify, the depth of the water throughout the rest of the room is half foot, save for the very, very center where the dragon is around that pillar. That will bring us to Arvid. So can you tell me about the um, pedestals? You said they're objects. Absolutely. So there are six pedestals in the center of the room that kind of surround the one that the heart was on. Um, the rest of these objects are fallen down pillars or stone. And a couple of the pedestals have objects sitting on top of them. The pedestals are about five feet tall out of the water. And the one nearest you, dead ahead, looks like it has kind of an old-timey brown tonic bottle with an illegible alien label on it that's collected dust. Cool, 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 cool. So Arvid will, seeing that bottle there, I think Arvid's going to tell Morty to come with him. Okay, boy, we're going to try uh, getting over there. Follow me. And he's going to try to get up onto the pedestal mm -hmm. and then use a thorn whip. And if it connects maybe try to hold it in like a grapple so he's pulled against the oh, I see. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like a magic leash. <laughs> Got it. So you definitely have the speed to make it to that pedestal. I would like to see an athletics check to see how quickly you get up on top of this five foot thing. 23 total. Oh yeah, you're great. I would hope so. And then I have to do another roll for the thorn whip. Is that right? Yeah, you're going to make a ranged spell attack. So that's going to be your proficiency and your wisdom modifier. 19. 19. Wow. Nice. Uh, against the odds <laughs> um, that you can tell by striking it with this magical thorn whip that this thing's armored plates do a very good job of protecting it. But you still manage to lash the whip around part of its, the narrower section of its mechanical neck. Nice. Two plus the wisdom. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Four. All right. And you now have a lash like wrapped around this thing's neck that you're hanging onto. And Morty's kind of like off the pedestal, but he's grabbing like the back of your cloak, like with his teeth, just <laughs> playing a little tug of war in case you get pulled off. That is going to bring us to the clockwork dragon's turn. And it is going to use a breath weapon. As it opens its mouth, you see what looks like a kind of circular piston. And for a moment, it looks like there's some kind of gas swelling up and then a lens pops in front of it and it switches to a fiery effect. Like this thing has different ammunitions of breath weapons it can utilize. Oh no. Um, so this is going to be a fire tar breath attack. But also that's fucking awesome. So yeah. cool. <laughs> that's super damn that's cool. Really awesome. Uh, so I need Chris, Arvid, Morty, and you will have advantage on this because of the cover from the rock, but you are in the area. I'm underwater. So you're going to have, you'll take half damage regardless. Oh. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's a deck save from the listed four. I will, of course, roll for Morty. Uh, well, Morty got a nat 20, so that's something. Oh, fuck. Good boy, Morty. How much luck do you have? 11. Left? He's out. 11. Okay. Mm. Arvid. So 18 total. 18. And you have advantage. I do. Arvid also has advantage for danger sense. Mm-hmm. Oh, because the I thought that was only active during times. I just didn't say because they rolled really good. Yeah. <laughs> I am so stoked right now. Ooh. So I had advantage, right? I roll yeah. the die. It's a fail. It's a one. A Ooh. fucking one on the die. So I pick up the second die and I roll it and it's a one. Oh, it's a goddamn. No. That is my fourth one this fucking what session. What shit, Carl? Fourth one. Double ones on advantage. Oh, hey. Double uh, ones. Unheard of. Uh, Will Wheaton on the podcast all of a sudden. <laughs> He gets so mad. Oh, man. Um, oh, my. I'm just, I am stoked at that. I, like, I, I've never seen myself roll double ones on an advantage. That's Zach, beautiful. Zach, your dies are your dies are just trying to tell you that you're number one. I, <laughs> thank you. That's like a one in 400 chance, isn't it? That's crazy. I don't even know. Wow. Um, so that was a pass from your, you did very well, I heard. I, oh, no, well, you're using, I did an 11. You got shit, an 11, yes. But I am absorbing elements. Got it. 
So take away the spell slot, and you and Morty did very well. So you're taking half damage because of absorptive elements. Oh, you take scary. 15. Uh, you're taking half damage because you are almost completely submerged in water. But the top half of you is covered in this flaming tar. So you take 15 as well. And you and Morty both take half damage. So everyone who was hit takes 15. And because I'm getting hit, uh, I'm actually using my claw to like block and deflect and absorb it. And you can just see it burning bright. Of course. But you are the closest as it activates. This is specifically not just a fire breath. It is a fire tar breath. Oh. So I need you to roll me a uh, athletics check. Oh, no. Natural 20. Hey. Hey. Yay. <laughs> so using your claw, you cut through this thick tar that's hardening around you and you are not grappled by the tar. Mm. Well, you would have been restrained by the stickiness. That's Ooh. super anime. <laughs> and then it uses a legendary action and attacks you with its tail. Oh, come on. <laughs> Give me a break. Warding flare. Oh, great. Nice. nice. Like from the thing, I'm like, I got you. <laughs> Threw the like Molotov on top of you in the water. This could be a good thing. Um, that is a total of 16. My AC is 17. Oh, oh man. <laughs> you shard hide. Shard hide. And I rolled really shitty too. So, <laughs> so good. This huge mechanical tail like smashes a pillar in half as it comes at you. And right before it hits you, this flash of light smashes the dragon in the face through this wall of fire. And its tail diverges just in time as you duck. Woo. Choice. <laughs> that brings us to Harithax. As this thing unleashes its fire breath, Harithax is going to kind of snap out of this daze that they had as they witness this divine being for their people, but a mechanical facsimile of it. And Harithax is going to kind of realize this is fighting us. And it just absolutely blitzed my friends. And I am going to cast, I'm going to cast Hunger of Hadar okay. on the opposite side of this thing. And it's just going to take all the environmental damage. That is a lot of AOE. Yeah. Uh, tell me about what I need to do for Hunger of Hadar. Question. Um, it's important that you tell us where you're going to cast it, and I actually probably should have mentioned this to you. It's mm -hmm. opaque. It can't see through this wall. So when it attacked Christ, it should have attacked it, uh, whatever penalty comes from blindness. Gotcha. Or not being able to see your target. Understood. Mm. But then again, it hasn't moved, and you know it hasn't moved. And actually, you've we have a leash on it, which means it knows where it knows where it's the source of the leash is, but we also know where it is mm -hmm. because of the leash. Now, real quick with Firewall, does it take damage on its turn or on your turn? It takes if it touches it. Mm -hmm. or it ends its turn there. So uh, real quick, just roll the damage because it did attack Chris by looking at him, but it's just sticking its head through the fire. Oh, gotcha. Okay. So it'll just take a little more fire damage. 20. Cool. It accepts the fire damage happily mm -hmm. in order to try to destroy you with its massive bits. Okay. I'll cast Hunger of Hadar centered a little bit behind where the dragon was. I can see from the thorn whip that the dragon didn't move after it attacked Chris, mm -hmm. and I can, I can estimate where it is mm -hmm. so i'll cast hunger of hadar so that it's inside the sphere and part of the firewall is also eclipsed slightly and then the area becomes difficult terrain any creature that starts its turn inside of it takes 2d6 cold automatically and any creature which ends its turn inside of it must succeed a dexterity saving throw or take an additional 2d6 acid wow so and what's the area of effect on it it is a 20 foot radius sphere so everything within 20 feet of that point will be affected by the hunger of Adar while it is in effect. And that will take effect at the end of the dragon's next turn. Now that brings us back to the top of the initiative. But before that, Arvid, you feel a strange heat of vibration coming from inside of your cloak. You have no idea what's happening back there. Almost like there's a huge hot bee buzzing around in your pocket. And you all see this series of runes start to glow and emanate from the water of the floor as this little tiny piece of paper floats out of Arvid's pocket and disintegrates into dust as a magical effect takes a place. And the business card that Daxton gave you disappears as the team is teleported into your proximity. And as Daxton and his three allies appear in this empty room, you hear a voice echo out that says, Oh yeah. I spilled my coffee. One by seven L's. Did that subterranean trash heap just transmogrificate into a god's damn dragon? It seems the heart of Apernacency has come to life and revealed the kind of bizarre power sleeping inside. I can't believe Daxion pulled a pocket port on him. I am genuinely shocked. Not just because it's the greasiest move in the book, but I never thought he was smart enough to pull something like that. 
No wonder they were just hemming and hawing out in the middle of nowhere. Not when they had the key to the final chest sitting in Arvid's Rolodex. While this kind of trickery can be frowned upon by some fans, it is a valid form of play within the confines of the quest. And if it leads them to victory, it could be talked about for quite some time. But will getting pulled into such a dangerous situation give the Death Machine the advantage, or will they simply get caught up in the Mortal Dawn's notorious crossfire? Whether those two teams work together to bring down that Dracomaton, or we're looking at a three-way free-for-all that I doubt any of them are walking away from. The trial of seeking has come to its climax. Who will get the artifact first? Will this piecemeal predator pulverize the participants, or will the two teams triumph before turning tension towards themselves? Stay tuned to find out how it all goes down after this word from our sponsors. I have been alone my whole life. My family were slain by Tissian cultists when I was just a babe. Freedom fighters smuggled me out of the city. Brave women and men who put their lives on the line to save as many as they could, only to be hunted down by servants of the Poison Lord. I was found by a tribe of savage hobgoblins, violent ravagers that killed more than they could eat, and kept me like some kind of twisted pet to clean up their messes and be beaten like a dog. My childhood was pain. Every sleepless night ended with me waking against all odds against malnourishment and cruelty, to find a reason to keep moving, to find the strength to free myself. This is why I am here, to learn the ways of the blade so that I can forge my own path and get revenge for the demons of my past. Greenex, extra absorbent facial tissue made from the durable organic silks of the Thrycreen races. When it comes to tears, we're on top. Greenex. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world. That ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hey there, LUQDs, it's Zach. So I've been listening to the LUQ from the very beginning recently, and I have to say I am not pleased with the quality at all. In an effort to make getting into the show a little easier for new listeners, I'm going to go back and re-edit the old episodes with new skills, new tools, and new music. I hope you all enjoy the remasters and share the love with your friends and family to get them growing and questing with us. And now would be a great time to support us through Patreon like our legendary team, all of whom donate $25 or more just to keep slapdashing. That legendary team is Jeff Ammons, Dave Milanov, Isaac Davies, Jack Phillips, Christian Wiseman, Zan Cam, Jen Finch, Maisie, and Erie Luna Rose. If you want to get a personal message on the show or are interested in promoting a business or podcast of your own, please send an email to admin at Slapdash Studios. But without further ado, let's get you back to the action. My name is Thomas Turner, and this is Behind the Shield. The Silver Pennants, one of the first teams in League history to ascend the ranks to Legendary Tier. A team that has faced an onslaught of creative differences and party conflict, which resulted in the original team disbanding. The Silver Pennants was founded by four team members. A pair of deadly pit fighters and masters of the short blade, Trine and Verthus Blanche, whose trademark synchronized high-speed flanking helped propel the team through the ranks. A young, ambitious wizard freshly graduated from the Arcadium, Ilithar Whitemane, expert in transmutation, enchantment, and lost secrets of the past. The last was a rough-and-tumble half-orc from a noble family, fresh out of a complicated military term, with dozens of battles under his belt, a keen mind for combat strategy, subterfuge, and a temperament easily utilized into a deadly weapon. His name was Raphael Preakness, who would soon be known to the masses as Stormclad Thundertongue. The Silver Pennants tore their way through the ranks, forming a vast following in the process. Their synergy and specialty for sneak attack tactics, orchestrated with careful planning and powerful arcane support, made them unstoppable, as their wealth, fame, and team grew in size. After reaching champion rank, the Pennants was joined by a lone survivor of one of the many teams that faced doom during the early days of the LUQ. This was Nadrin Mithras, master marksman and paladin devoted to the Signian faith. The Penance had a few members come and go in the following years, including the tragic death of a young bard named Arthur Cherry. 
The introduction of precise range support and magical healing helped the pennant skyrocket even further, which may just be what caused the original team to break up. Massive amounts of fame and wealth affected the members differently. Nadrin was called to the service of their god time and time again, pulling resources and balance from the team. Stormclad's popularity with the fans ensured that wherever he went, there was a party waiting for him, further feeding his love of drink, food, and people. And this popularity is believed to have driven Illithar into a jealous rage, focusing his skill and training into much darker arcane secrets in an effort to prove himself. A dangerous love triangle forced a wedge between the Brothers Blanche, making a few remaining quests of the original Penance far and few between. Three years after joining the League of Ultimate Questing, the Silver Penance reached Legendary Tier, achieving what few had ever achieved before. The next day, the original four members quit the team, and were replaced under the lead of Mithras as team captain. Join us next time for more Behind the Shield, an expose into the lives of the heroes who make the game. Thomas Turner, Signing out. So the team Daxon's Death Machine has manifested magically using a very sneaky and backhanded magical rune on a card that they gave to Arvid. They squirreled away into their pocket. And as Daxon appears with an oh yeah, he looks up, sees a towering wall of fire, sees Arvid atop a pillar with a whip attached to a dragon's neck made of metal, and he goes, oh no! <laughs> he says, boys, it's dragon fighting time. That brings us to Crist. Uh, is it within my melee striking distance? Uh, unfortunately not. Uh, I'm, Chris then will shout out, pull it in close. Uh, I am reading a booming blade that is enhanced by the absorbed elements, and I'm ready to heighten that shit. Cool. That sounds great. So you have a held action for when it comes within attacking range? Its head is sticking through the wall. Yeah, I mean, it's a good, you know, 15 feet up because it's a colossal dragon. But uh, mm -hmm. if you could, like, leap off of one of the stones or pillars or something, you could theoretically attack it this round. Oh, don't tempt me. I want to do that. Yeah, absolutely. There's <laughs> there's pillars and and broken rock all over the place around here. Yeah, I want to I wanna do a flying leap stab. Sure. Why not? So go ahead and give me uh, an acrobatics check. Oh, please don't fail this. Do I add my spellcasting modifier? Because it's an, an attack that I'm doing. Like First, we're doing the acrobatics to see if you can get up onto a rock and jump at it. Okay. Uh, that's a 15. That's pretty good. Okay. All right. So go ahead and make your attack. And this one's a spellcasting modifier. This okay. is your claw attack. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. Which I have so many bonuses for. Please. Don't forget, you do have inspiration if you need it. Oh, shit. Mm -hmm. I can inspire myself. Mm -hmm. uh, no, that takes a bonus action, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. No, you can trigger it after or before a roll. Okay. Yeah, that's a 20. That's a hit. So after leaping off the pillar, I'm going to just slice this guy's head on through, stabbing it through, maybe even tearing through the dimension itself. It's so strong. Mm. Uh, I, it's a heightened ring of binding. So I know I'm going to be taking some damage later on. Mm -hmm. I'm reverberating using my proficient claw attack on top of the fire damage that I absorbed from his breath. Nice. So there's a lot of, a lot of arcane combos going on here. So you are going to take 15 damage from the ring effect. Which activates my reaction and brings me to one, which ends my reverberation, and it takes... So that does drop you to zero? It would drop me to zero, yes. Woof. I'm kind of, I'm so glad you took that ring. Like, this is just so I, great. Right? That's what I was like. It's so cool when you kill yourself. It. It's so cool when you... <laughs> I like that, like... An episode, two episodes ago, Harothax like investigated and was like, you should probably stop killing yourself straight back into it first, like major combat sense. Mm -hmm. All right. Since reverberation was active, mm -hmm. the damage is my sorcerer level plus twice my charisma modifier. So that is 14. Wow. Okay. And a bonus 14 on top. So you took the 15, you dropped to zero and remain at one. Yes. As you freeze in a solid block of crystal, which shoots out in every direction in crystalline shrapnel. You are now brought back and standing there, fresh and glistening at one hit point, but dizzy as all get out. Mm -hmm. As the beast takes 38 damage from your claw attack mm -hmm. and 14 more from your explosion. <laughs> as your claw hits its head, it sinks into its jaw and just rips through the bottom of its head, tearing the lower half of its sharp toothy head off. Oh, that's... So 
awesome. <laughs> Welcome to D&D, Alante. <laughs> and there's a splash as you land in the water, dizzy and confused. Straight up just hero landing in the water. <laughs> with one hit point. Yes, with one hit point. <laughs> Is the dragon dead? No, it's very hurt from the oh. face, but it's still got a lot of chunkage. That will bring us to Artyom. Cool. Okay, so I have a decision to make here. Do I drop the fireball on them and the dragon or just the dragon? Is there a way to drop it on them and the dragon without hitting us too? Uh, I can the only per- I could do it with only hitting Arvid, but other than that, no. Like Arvid will get hit too, but other than that, I think I can hit uh, all of them and the dragon. Because it's a 20-foot range, right? 20-foot radius, yeah. Or 20-foot radius, yeah. So if I... If I dropped it on, I think, I'm assuming that's Daxton. Like over mm-hmm. here somewhere. Or Daxton's the one right behind Arvid with the crossbow. Yeah, so I would just drop it like right on the dragon's tail. Mm-hmm. Or like a little bit away from that. And it should reach everybody. Yeah, it looks like. I like to look at it from bird's eye. But you could either hit the dragon or you definitely hit Arvid. Mm-hmm. So that is the choice you should make. And then we can figure out where it lands. Uh, talking's of reaction, right? Mm-hmm. Are you going to try and steal our victory, Daxton? Not till the dragon's dead. Okay. I'm going to drop the fireball right on all of them. Okay. Yeah, the moment he says, uh, if he even gives an inkling that he's going to try and steal our fucking victory, don't even care. Mm-hmm. Bomb him. You'll definitely hit Arvid, though. That's okay. Arvid can take it. We believe in Arvid. I got goat hit points. Arvid, Just waiting. Yeah. I've also got Revivify ready at a diamond in my hand. Oh, I, I'm, I'm going to need. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to need that shit. I have two diamonds and two casts of Revivify available. So if either of you go down, you're back up. Thank you. Praise I'm Brad. Right <laughs> up again. All right. Uh, so the dragon is going to make a deck save versus that. Arvid, I need you with advantage because of your barbarian level to make a deck save versus it. And two of the death machine also have advantage because they are barbarians like you. Dragon rolled butts. Yeah. Nice. I don't think I succeeded. I got a 12. No, that is lower than RTM's spell save. Uh, so the two barbarians made it and the two that aren't failed. Wait, hold on, hold on. You have inspiration. I Didn't I use my inspiration? You have inspiration on your wrist. Yeah, everyone got a point of crowd inspiration oh, from your winning oh, your victory. Yeah. Oh. Does that, was that a D6? Like No, you like... get to re-roll a D20. Okay. Yeah, that's great. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. But it will go away. Good call. That's probably worth it to not take full damage in this particular case, right? I would say so. Yay! That's a total of 20. Oh, yeah. Very much so. Let's see that fearable damage. Five. Nine, so 14. Ten, so 24. How many is it? Eight. Eight D6. Okay. Another four. So 28. And then a 12. Nice. Ooh. So 40. That's 40 fucking points. Damn. Which is more than the average, I think. Full damage. Significantly. <laughs> and as this glowing bead like lights up on your bracelet, you can actually hear this like roaring crowd and cheering people calling out the name Arvid, Arvid, Ulfmund, Ulfmund in your head, leaping out of the way as you see this fireball go off at your feet. And Morty helps by pulling on the back of your cloak. It is half damage, though? Yes, so you take 20 instead. As does Daxton and his barbarian friend, but the other two take a massive blow at this fire damage. Their hair and eyebrows are singed. They look very, very hurt. And then with my remaining action, I'm going to stand and move towards the wall of fire. Okay. And on your turn, I also do need a concentration check because you took tar damage to see if the fireball is still there. Correct. Uh, Concentration is constitution? Yes. 12. That's enough. Hey. How many squares forward would you like to step? You were back one. I started moving. Tell me where is the heart? Oh, it's in him. It's his heart. The heart of the dragon is the heart that is the artifact. Gotch. After the fireball and Chris's massive rend, though, you can start to see it through the cages of this mechanical rib cage. I'm going to run up those stairs. Okay. Get myself a nice vantage point. 30 feet. It can be done. So you dash to the top of the stairs and get a slightly better view of the room with the dragon just cresting over the top of your wall of fire. 
And as I'm running, and basically once I get there, I'm going to say, Dexion, Dexion, even if you take the victory, you will be shamed by the crowds for using such cowardly moves, which I thought below a barbarian of your stature and class. And as you run up here, you can see just like the, the bedlam breaking loose in this room, everything's starting to shake and the dust is starting to cough. It looks like this wall is starting to fall away. And despite how deep and ancient this building must be, you can tell that it's built into the side of a cliff. And as the stone falls away, it looks like there's some sort of ancient window that leads out into the village of Saurus. Like you can see the entire valley, Wyverns Lake and the Oilstone Mountains out before you. And this kind of bizarre, dense glass that's survived the trial of time. And it's midnight dark outside with a pale blue moon lighting up the village. Arvid, that makes it your turn. Oh gosh, there's so much going on. I really want to do something with the bottle. Does, did you say it looked like a potion bottle? Kinda. Maybe I should just drink it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have nothing against that. Okay. Uh, yeah, so very surprised by the sudden appearance of the death machine. Arvid loses concentration on his thorn whip leash, and he kind of does a look a left, look a right, and just grabs the potion between his feet, pops the cork, downs it. <laughs> oh no 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 i had no idea that Am that I would dead? be coming down so you have consumed dr pondefier's miracle libation a magical potion when a living creature consumes this potion as an action they gain a bevy of confusing and miraculous benefits for one minute <laughs> <laughs> oh i'm just hoping at oh. the end of that minute they gain the poison condition for 10 minutes which cannot be removed as a normal poison they gain the benefits of the following spells while active. <laughs> Haste, Blur, Shield of Faith, Stone Skin, Divine Favor, Sense Emotion, and Tongues. What the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> so, what now? Go slowly. So I, I'll keep track of this. I have it in front of me. So anything that affects you, I have the spells that are triggering you. Oh my you. god. Okay. Um, so not only does everyone around you start moving in slow motion, and you start leaving this like illusory after image with every gesture. Uh, you also feel this like divine force protecting you from all directions. And at the same time, you become in tune with the emotions of everyone in the room. You're sensing rage and competitiveness from the people at your feet, like frustration and determinedness from Artium. Uh, Christ is like at the verge of death and has like this magical panic happening inside and a kind of bizarre reverence and anger from Harithax. Everything is just bombarding you emotionally. And you actually will get another action because haste kicks in. So you have a freebie. Ooh. Well, isn't drinking a potion a move action? It's an action. Oh, man. Okay. Um, I do think that it would make sense to having felt all the rage in the room probably pop. Uh, uh, oh, gosh, I got really caught up in the thought of pop a rager again. I should really stop <laughs> saying that. Please stop keep saying, saying Please keep saying <laughs> pop yeah. a rager. I like yeah. it. Okay. Um, certainly the rage, it's popping. Um <laughs> <laughs> and that was a bonus action. So that I do, was. I do have action and movement at this point. Mm -hmm. And movement goes far, right? You can move very far. Okay. I don't know. Should I just punch somebody? Should I? Also, against the tension of the whip you were holding, you feel like with your rage kicking in and all of this magic affecting you and how much damage the dragon has taken, it feels much weaker. Like you have a little more control over it if you wanted. Oh. Yeah, you think... Uh, you think with a mighty yank, you could do some actual pretty solid stuff. Everything clicks into place with him. He feels the sensations of the people around him, and his rage starts to build, and his eyes pull up to the dragon, who he feels kind of loose and clanky, and he gives it a determined pull, um, hoping to rip it asunder. Athletics with advantage. Beautiful. Chris, get ready to grab the heart. I rolled a one. <laughs> oh! I, I got to know your number, though. Yeah. Um. So with the addition, that's 21 total. Wow. Right. Uh, so, Chris, I need you and Daxton's death machine to roll me a dexterity saving throw. Is this something that I can use the uh, wrist inspiration on if I need to? If you need to, absolutely. Basically, whatever you want. Yeah, I need to. Oh, much better. Uh, that is, sorry, it's a what roll? Dexterity, Dexterity saving 15? throw. 15? Oh yeah, you're fine. Okay, cool. That is just what you needed. That is Ooh. the magic number. So, 
towering and toppling through this wall of fire. Arvid, you pull and the dragon's mechanical legs give out and it tips its huge metal wings, scraping the ceiling, knocking over more of the pillars and pinning two of Daxton's death machine on the ground in this deep water Mm. as its body is starting to melt from all of the fire hitting it and all of the damage that it's been taking. And you can see there in this kind of gaping open chest cavity, this pulsing and humming magical conduit. The dragon is still thrashing and roaring, but it seems to be disassembling itself. Uh, That makes it Daxton's turn. The squad, he says, just because we're barbarians doesn't mean we're not smart. You got played like a fiddle, mortal done. He looks down and sees the two of his boys are in pretty bad shape. And the other one has also been hit by a lot of fire damage. He says, we're not going down without a fight. And he unleashes three quick attacks on Arvid up on this pedestal. And he's a tavern brawler. And he's using reckless attack. Is he at disadvantage? He's at advantage. Oh, what about the blur? Wait, how is he at disadvantage? Oh, it actually cancels out. He has a reckless attack because he's a barbarian. Oh, right. But it cancels out because of your blur, which makes it just normal attack. So I'll start over because I fucked that up. That is a miss. Yes. Stupid blur. You drank like the potion. Like like the fucking potion. Good call. Uh, He does connect with one solid blow. With shield of faith. I am low. And stone skin. What does that set Arvid's AC to? Uh, Stone skin makes them take like half damage from everything. Uh, But with haste and shield of faith, it's three higher, putting it at 18, I believe. Uh, Either way, you take three points of damage with all of his might because of all the resistances and defenses you have up magically right now. And you hear a crack as his like metatarsals just snap, punching your stone skin. He goes, oh, no. (laughs) Yeah, uh, I think we got to have a nervous chuckle from Arvid. (laughs) (laughs) We're in a bad spot, boys. Uh, The dragon's just going to thrash and lash out in every direction, opening the wound further. Did it get pulled out of my Hunger Fadar? Nope. Okay, so it immediately takes damage at the start of its turn from that. Please roll it. Uh, it's 2d6? Mm-hmm. Or is it 2d8? I think it's both. Uh, it's 2d6 for both. So yeah, 2d6. And then it's going to take the damage from being in the, in the space. Mm-hmm. Nine. Nice. Cold damage. Has no resistance to cold damage, although it does fuck with the hot metal that it's being held together mm-hmm. with right now as there's like a warping and steaming sound. Ooh. And the fire damage? Oh, yeah. Uh, that's at the end of its turn. Oh, cool. Unless it's unless it's still halfway between. In, unless people are going to be moving directly towards it, it's not actively attacking the party. It's just thrashing and attacking the room around it. Gotcha. So, um, yeah, at the end of its turn, it'll take it. It's smashing pillars and headbutting the ceiling, which is causing this window to open up even further. And the ceiling is slowly starting to crack and give way, potentially caving in soon. And there in its open chest is just the glowing heart of that thing. Apernacency. So it's not doing anything? No. It's not going to move or anything? That's, yeah, the damage. Okay. I mean, it's it's doing stuff, but nothing that I need to describe further. Gotcha. Nine plus seven. Seven. Plus five. All right. And at the end of its turn, it needs to make a dexterity save if it's still in the sphere for the acid damage. Mm Mm-hmm. I got a 10. That is a fail. It takes another six acid. All right. It does resist acid damage. Good to know. So it takes three as it slowly eats away at its mechanical carapace. Uh, that brings us to Harithax. Okay. And just to clarify things for the room, the heart is there and you all now have a clear view of the valley below you. Cool. Harithax is going to move closer to the dragon. Mm-hmm. If you need to move through the wall, let me know and I can just drop it because it's not going to be useful next turn. Okay. Does my swimming speed affect my movement through water at all sure yeah absolutely okay so i'm it's not difficult terrain for me or anything like that no you move great in this shit this is your favorite terrain cool i'm gonna move 25 feet closer then to arvid and kind of get in the middle of this melee and then once i move up next to arvid i'm going to pull out my conch Mm -hmm. and summon the water weird Ah. right (laughs) right behind daxjin because we're in a room full of water yes you are oh Oh, shit that's beautiful that is gold beautiful pure gold getting conched <laughs> and after summoning the water weird, Harothax is going to say, I'm thinking maybe you're not as smart as you think you are. And the water weird is going to attack Daxjin. All right. <laughs> Go ahead and roll. Do you want it to like slam into him or pin him down? Or uh, It's going to use its constrict attack. Nice. So he has advantage because he used reckless attack. True. Yeah, it does. 
Can I crowd inspiration this thing's attack because I'm controlling it or no? Yeah, if you're controlling it magically, that's that's fine. Okay. It's a natural 20. Ooh! Beautiful. Oh, baby. Love it. Oh, Boise. So he's going to take 6d6. Jesus! Plus 3 bludgeoning damage. <laughs> it's hot. No, it's cold. <laughs> Tepid. What kind of damage is the 66? Bludge. Okay. It's bludgeoning, so he'll resist it because he's a barbarian. Okay. But the first roll is 13. Mm. And then the second three is another 10. So 23 plus 3. 26. 13. Yep. Bludgeoning damage. And he needs to make a... He's medium or smaller? He's medium, yeah. He's a Goliath. He automatically grappled. Ooh. And pulled five feet towards it. Noise. He is restrained. I like that. And he can't breathe because he's inside a water weird. And all you guys hear from inside of this swirling living conduit of water is, oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) And that will end Harithax's turn. All right. That brings us to the top. Stand down, lonely soldier. I look at the last one that isn't pinned or held by a weird. Right. And, uh. He's looking around panically, like he has his fists and shield up in front of him, just like waiting for a command from his officer. But it's just, he's like swirling like he's in a washing machine. Just, oh, <laughs> That'll make it Chris's turn. The heart is right in front of you in this open, steaming cavity. <laughs> I got reticent near the end of that sentence, but I just powered through. Gotta go, gotta go. You're okay. all washed up, Dexton. <laughs> oh. So Chris looks around, not sure, and looks at his hand just to get a little bit more information. Mm-hmm. And the energy coming off of this powerful, pulsing mechanical heart, you think that like the fact that you have this crystalline hand, you could probably handle it, but most others couldn't. He says, then that's what I'll do. And he goes in and tries to rip this thing's chest apart and grabs that damn heart. I snap my fingers and the wall of fire drops. Awesome. So yeah, you'd reach through as the fire just snuffs out around you and plunging easily with your crystal sharp fingertips in, you rip out with strands of wires and oil coming out and there's this pulsing mechanical spherical energy source just humming in your palm. Does it feel good? Uh, It feels like a strange dichotomy of being blessed by this much power and the desire to just like consume it. Oh, it's like holding a Fabergé egg. You're like, I just want to know what it tastes like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love that. But I also think I'm going to freeze Daxion in the water weird. So I'm going to let out a very, very cold chromatic orb. This is for fucking with us. Sure. I'm, I'll allow this. I like it. So go ahead and make an attack check. And it's not very high. What's the water weird's AC? Uh, 13. Oh, yeah. Oh, this is a 22 total then. You hit it. Yep. Yep. It is frozen. And an ice chromatic orb. So yeah, uh, there is a icy statue of Daxton with like one arm and like half of his face sticking out of it, just kind of held aloft <laughs> in a pillar. Mortal done. Grab your spoils, and I just start running towards the nearest por- uh, pillar. And even going down the stairs towards your allies, you can see on top of the nearest pedestal some sort of strange, bizarre gauntlet or a glove, maybe like a metalworking glove. Okay, I'll grab that. And Hyrothox on the one near you is some strange little mechanical device with wires and connectors coming off of it that's bizarre and foreign to you. I'll pick that up as well, and I'll tell the weird, well... The ice weird? Yeah, (laughs) I'll tell the ice weird, keep them occupied, with a big, toothy alligator grin. (laughs) All right. And Arvid, you have a... Um, If there's any other things, we can can grab them real quick and then... Snagged the other one and drank it. (laughs) Oh, just those three. Fun. All right, Arvid says, I've got this one. We all ready to go? Duh. I walk over to it, place my hand on their shoulder, and I say, Dexion, next time maybe play to your strengths. Nice. Um, And you have a clear view of the outside world through this bizarre subterranean window that leaves out like thousands of feet in the air off of a sheer cliff. And with a flutter of black feathers, the mortal dawn disappears as you see the rocks from the ceiling tumbling down as the dragon just continues thrashing and flailing into the pillars and ceiling. And the look of Daxton's death machine as they see the ceiling falling down on them and Daxton trying to break free from the ice with one last mortal done. You'll be sorry. (laughs) As the team reappears in a familiar town square of the small village of Turilli. And 
with that cascading series of edge of your seat actions, the Mortal Dawn has brought down the hammer on Daxton, the Dragon, and the Death Machine. Nothing makes for a clean escape like a good old-fashioned teleport before the whole place collapses. You said it. Yep. That Death Machine was a deadly Daxton. Hilkarna. Mm. Storm, you know I love you, but can you please stop playing with that thing until we finish commentating the episode? Please? You're right, you're right. My bad, Kip. Here, watch this trick sheath. Storm, are you okay? I'm good. Never better. Happy to see the Mortal Dawn pull off the grand finale. So, you're good. That pool of blood forming under your chair is just... Oh, you know me, Kip. Always elbow deep in blood. I mean, heck... Who knows whose blood this is? All looks the same to me. All right, just making sure, pal. Glad to hear you didn't accidentally stick that magical knife into your thigh. Now it seems all the MDs have to do is get this relic back to the nearest official LUQ headquarters in order to put a bow on this climactic package. Well, let me tell you, Kip. If I had a Daxon's death machine hat, I probably wouldn't wear it to the bar tonight. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right you are, Storm. Should the DDMs officially lose the challenge, what would that mean for them in the long term? <sighs> you know, angry fans, few requests. Might have a sponsorship pulled. Who knows? Either way, they ain't getting any new action figures anytime soon. They just, uh, have to deal with the... They have to deal with the crushing defeat. Get it? Crushing? Maybe I'll just, uh... Maybe I'll just close my eyes for a second. See if I can remember the ways. A crushing defeat indeed. Clerics to the booth, please. Clerics to the booth. Storm bled out in his chair. Again. <laughs> the big goofball. Well, folks, we'll keep following the Mortal Dawn on their way back home to deliver this literal ticking time bomb of magical madness to finalize their victory for the Trial of Seeking. Join us next time as we bring you more up-to-date coverage on the teams from all over the Five Kingdoms, even those trapped inside of crumbling temples. This isn't your dad's adventure broadcast. This is the League of Ultimate Questing. Felt wonderful. I just I got to do the thing that I've been wanting to do for a while, blow myself up again, and it felt so good. Well, and that was all right where we want to be in a fight, you know. Like mm -hmm. all of us got brought pretty low in our health. You guys almost you did die. You yeah. almost died. I brought I was brought down to like twenty five, uh, like half health basically. That was a tight ass fight. But also we played our opposites. I was close in combat. Arfred was doing ranged. Mm -hmm. That was cool. I was hiding. Our, <laughs> our synergy was tight too with the AOEs and then holding it in place. And mm -hmm. then, yeah. God, that was so fucking good. Good job, team. There were points I just really needed to get to, I thought. But thanks for waiting the extra like 10 minutes for the episode. I think it was worth it. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't feel like it felt rushed at all. Mm -hmm. But this um, one's gone. I don't have to worry about I was thinking you guys would hang on to this forever to be like, this is the fuck all potion. Mm -hmm. And just like, oh, a potion. <laughs> Chunk. I'm, so, I'm <laughs> so happy. I'm so happy you did that. That Me was the too. best choice ever. Would it, be, would it be crazy to, to, to like have Arvid be slightly addicted to potions for a while? Yes. Like, <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> Yes, please. Something I, in my head just, just tells me to that check high it. Again. I, I can't think do of any a little, reason why a little should... wouldn't do there, it. There's so a, a little commercial gotten... for potion addiction. <laughs> 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 the Dan Marion alchemical. I could go to rehab for, for a time while we're back in town. <laughs> yeah, if you ever need a break, you know. Right, yeah. like if a healing. Oh, or that. Yeah. If a healing potion is like a little puff of weed, this potion <laughs> is like crystal meth. Yeah. Oh, I mean, it was like nine whoa. effects. That's it what was, I was ridiculous. thinking is that it was suddenly powerful and super fast and like everything is is like, I'm like a god. It you was, know when Fry drank too much coffee and everything just made yes. sense? Yeah. <laughs> It was nine really powerful effects, oh, too, like God. based on its own. But also own. weird ones. The idea of being able to detect everyone's emotions and understand every language, like it would just fuck with you. Mm -hmm. I really hope the next session starts with you still being like high as shit and like talking to people in the town. Law's face when she said she was going to drink that potion was delicious. He was oh, so excited. So good. <laughs> Who's, All right. Whose turn is it? Uh, that's me. Oh, let's, great. Yeah. Let's continue around the table here. Sam, why don't we start with you? Hi, I'm Sam and I'm playing Arvid, the potion huffing... Uh, level five <laughs> barbarian level two druid love it i'm michael loving i play heruthax the level seven dragonborn warlock who didn't take any damage in that fight nice mm. 
Hi, uh, I'm Alante, and I play Chris Gran, the Crystalline Sorcerer and Bard. Uh, I am Zach Barkas. I play Artyom Volkov, the Cleric of Sunlight and Suffering, level 7. I am also the technical director for Slapdash Studios and the editor of a good portion of these episodes. I'd also like to thank Tori Christensen for their fantastic work as an editor. Notorious. Moving on. <laughs> My name is Law. I'm the Dungeon Master for the League of Ultimate Questing and the creative director of Slapdash Studios. And Daxton. And, <laughs> and reincarnation of Macho Man Randy Savage. <laughs> is he dead? Yeah. Oh, oh well, missed that. Way to bring us all down. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> well, I want to thank everybody for showing up. As you know, uh, episodes come out every Monday and we have bonus content every Friday. Uh, if you want to sh- support the show, the best way to do that is to reach out to us on social media and to get out there and share it with people. Person to person exposure is going to work way better than like posting things on Facebook or whatever, though we do appreciate those posts. Uh, if you want to find information about our social media or our affiliates or really anything, feel free to check out the LUQ.com or studios.com if you have any questions comments or anything like that you can reach out to us at admin at slapdash studios is there any announcements anybody has here i mentioned this in the last episode but i don't know when it's going to get posted so i will be appearing on an episode or two of god's fall um by aram vartian uh you can find that online at their youtube channel or on their podcast it will be episode 90 something i think that's fantastic yeah. uh anything else Keep your eyes out for orcsorcsorcs.com. We have one coming up at the beginning of March, the Madness of March. That will be a game night lounge. You can buy tickets on the website. Excellent. Well, I think that's everything. I think this went just so damn good, and I loved this episode. Um, But until next time, we wish you luck.